Oh, come on, church. Jesus is in the house again. I told you last week he'd be here again this week, right? He's in the house tonight. Could you just one more time welcome his presence into the house? We should never take it for granted. We're only here tonight because he made a way. You know what? And I was praying a while ago. I heard the rain falling outside. I said, God, let the spiritual rain fall inside tonight. Just pour out your spirit upon this place. Just mess us up, oh God. Have your will, have your way. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. I'm going to get right into the word tonight. And uh, I closed out last Sunday night with sharing a concern I have for the church. Not just our church, but the church in general. And I'll repeat it to remind those who are here and to inform those who maybe weren't here, but you're here now. Here's the concern that I expressed in closing the other night. I believe God is moving in our nation. I believe his presence is resonating regardless of all the opposition and the chaos in our nation. God is still moving as he promised He'll never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. I believe he's here, but I do believe there is a lack of pursuit or hunger for God. I believe many have resided to defeat, and for some, they've even gave up and feel like there's nothing else they can do. But I believe an awakening is beginning to take place. I believe that there is a season of his visitation taking place at this very moment. And my concern is, if we're not careful, we will miss the hour of his visitation. Which will be detrimental to our lives, considering the conditions our nation is in. And the place and the time we are speaking of, the end times. I said a season of his visitation. I said a season because I think it's just simply a window of opportunity that will end up just like the seasons do. They'll come to an end. When Christ came to the earth, he created a movement that lasted three and a half years before he departed. And we better start declaring that it's here. Just like I mentioned last week, we got to tell folks that Jesus is in the house. He was last week. And he's still here this week. And what he did last week, he can do again this week. There were folks who weren't here last week, and some still not here this week, who missed out on what God is doing in this house. Now, I'm going to take a text that I believe is relative to my point tonight of how I believe this season will play out. How many know that when there is a visitation of God's presence and we don't recognize it, or if we do not receive it, that it grieves the heart of God when he desires to move and we refuse to. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Luke 19, and I'm going to read verse 41 through 44. And the word of God says, beginning in verse 41, Now as he drew near, he saw the city Jerusalem, and he wept over it, saying, if you'd had known, 
even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from you, your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. I believe we're in a day and time like that right now. And they will not leave you in one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Let us pray. Father, I come tonight in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Help me, O Lord. Guide me, direct me. Fill my voice, God, with your word. Speak to our hearts tonight, your desire, God. And the importance, God, that we recognize the hour that which way we are in, Father Lord. I pray, God, that everything we do in our walk with you pleases you, God. I pray, Father, that we're sensitive to the Spirit and what you're trying to do in this very hour, God. Let us recognize, let us see with our eyes, God, the things that you desire for your people. In Christ's name, amen. Here is Jesus. He's riding on a donkey prophetically into Jerusalem. It was a city that he loved, which tells the people that he loved. Upon approaching it, knowing his time was about up, the season of his presence was about to be over. And he begins to weep over the city. And I believe more so for the people than just the actual city. For those who didn't recognize the divine visitation of his presence here on earth. So many had rejected him. Many had accused him. Many had criticized him. They had a divine appointment with God, and they missed the move, church. The fact that he was the son of God, who left the splendor of heaven to dwell amongst us here on earth. Although some had accepted him as the Messiah, so many others had not. His greatest opposition came from the religious folks. Although many had experienced his time on earth as a move of God, so many never did. Many missed an opportunity to experience his presence. The first thing I want to establish is that we understand that God moves upon this earth and upon his people. He loved his people then. He loves his people now. He moved upon them then, and he still moves upon them now. All throughout history, there have been divine visitations upon nation after nation that lasted for a season. His spirit has been moving upon this earth since the beginning of earth's existence. Genesis 1 declares this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the beginning of time, God's spirit moved upon the earth. At its darkest moment, it said darkness was upon the earth, and it was without form and void. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God's spirit moved upon the earth then, and church, we need his spirit to move upon it again in one of the darkest times our nation has ever faced. Before our nation becomes void of his presence, we need a move. Since that time, God's spirit has not only moved upon this earth, but on numerous occasions he's moved upon man. I think of how he moved upon the earth and upon Noah in Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
And the Lord was sorry that he had made men on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. He was grieved. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But I like the next verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When God was about to destroy the earth because of an abundant evil upon it, the Spirit of God moved upon one man and instructed him to build an ark that would rescue him and his family. In 1 Kings and 2 Kings, tells of how God moved upon the heart of a 16-year-old boy named Josiah who became king during a time his nation had abandoned God. But upon him to rediscovering the word of God, he had it read and proclaimed throughout the nation that they would serve this God again. The Spirit of God moved up of him to repair the temple and reestablish the word. In doing so, Israel experienced one of the greatest seasons in God's presence ever. They had a move of God in their nation. In 1 Samuel, the Spirit of God moved on a young boy named David, who was not king at the time, who fought the nine-foot Philistine giant that had Israel's army hunkered down. He did it by the Spirit of God moving upon him to defeat the giant. The Spirit of God often moved upon Samson, giving him supernatural strength. In the New Testament, he continued to move upon men of God. The Word of God was written by men as he breathed, moved upon them. He moved up on the John the Baptist as he cried out in the wilderness, declaring, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I indeed baptize you with water into repentance, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to latch. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Spirit of God moved upon Jesus that day also, proclaimed, This is my Son, and whom I'm well pleased. Can I tell you, every time that God's people found themselves in trouble with their backs against the wall, God moved upon them. And I declare it's still true today as we find ourselves in a troubled nation and our enemy is surrounding us. God is sending a divine visitation of his spirit to move upon his people and upon this nation. He moved in Wells, sparking a great revival. He moved in Azusa, sparking a great revival. He moved in Pensacola, sparking a great revival. He moved last month in California on a beach. He moved at a tent revival in California last week. He's still moving throughout this nation. This is an hour of God's divine visitation, and we cannot afford to miss the move of his spirit. So we better learn how to pursue, how to press in, how to stretch forth, how to lift up, and how to bow down in his presence in this hour of his visitation. Because we are living in the last days. And he promised two things would take place during these times. Number one, perilous times would come. And number two, he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He knew darkness would be upon the earth, but he already had a plan for it to, to counter it. He said in the last days, during those perilous times, in the darkest of times, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and you will be a light unto this dark world. He had already made a divine appointment. He had already scheduled a visitation of his spirit to move upon his people in the toughest of times that he knew were to come. Folks, that hour is here. And we are closer than ever to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And every day that passes is just one step closer throughout history. 
Everywhere Jesus' presence was, a move of God followed him. Jesus didn't come for the well. He came for the most wicked, messed up, lowly, hurt, and broken people on this earth. During his visitation upon earth, multitudes of sick people were healed. The lost were found. The bound were set free. The families were restored. The dead were raised. Blinded eyes were opened. The lame walked again, and deaf ears were opened. Idols were torn down. The lives of prostitutes were turned around. Demons were cast out. And the world was turned upside down for the glory of the Lord. Come on, somebody. That is a move of God. He did it then, and he wants to do it again. We need a move, church. We need a move, church. We need a move. For three and a half years, Jesus' presence caused a move. And many missed it then. And if we're not careful, many are going to miss it again. We have a divine appointment with God's presence in this hour. But I'm afraid we're missing it. That we're not pressing in. We're too casual and, yes, too critical. This place is electrified with his presence. I said it is electrified with his presence. But how many know when his presence is here... We have to enter into it. We have to press into it. And if not, we miss his visitation, his plan for this moment. Now, as I read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, of all the many things Jesus did for the sick and afflicted, the lowest of the low, there was a certain group who did not get in on the move. And it's probably going to shock you when I tell you who missed the smooth. It wasn't Mary who was full of demons and got delivered. It wasn't the thief on the cross that day. It wasn't blind Bartimaeus who Jesus healed. No, they didn't miss it. No, I'll tell you who missed it then and who's going to miss it again. It was the religious people that missed it. Those who had the prophets of old, the Torah in their hands, they heard the prophecies go out. He was coming. They had even prayed for him to come. But when he showed up, when his presence was among them, they missed it. And this message is a warning to church people who have sat in church all their life and haven't become anything more than just religious folks. Who have sat for too long pointing their religious fingers down the throats of generation after generation, filling their minds with do's and don'ts to the point it makes them want to throw up. And too many have no right trying to be an authority on stuff that they haven't even ever experienced. They are telling a hungry generation, it don't take all of that. Sit down. Shut up, boy. You're in church. Now, I'm probably going to hurt somebody's spiritual pride tonight, but religious piety stinks in the nostril of God. And religious piety is nothing more than kryptonite to the kingdom of God. It's destroying more lives than you understand. It's hindering a move of God more than you know. Many have sat and prayed for it, but when it shows up, they don't even recognize it because it don't line up with their religious philosophies. Even with them knowing the prophecies, the, this religious protocol many churches have endorsed has affected the lives of people who had a chance, but through the formalities became lost in the house. We can be religious, and feel good all about ourselves if we want. Or we can be Christians and feel good about others who just like us, who have messed up, jacked up lives, get the same opportunity we had to be saved, delivered, and set free. 
If you remain religious, you'll miss this move of God. If you don't think there's more to God than what you've already experienced, if you think things have gotten too bad for God to change them, you could be religiously correct, but I want to tell you you're righteously wrong. You need to get to an altar and repent so that the times of refreshing can come to your life. The greatest enemy of what could be is your familiarity and the comfort of what was. If you can't recognize a move of God because it don't look like it looked like 20 years ago, then you'll miss this move. You've lost your appetite for the things of God. You know, it broke my heart when I really took a moment to digest this moment recorded in the pages of my Bible. When Jesus is fixing to make a triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and upon him seeing this city and thinking of all the people in this city that he had visited numerous times, he began to weep. He was grieved in his heart because he sees a people that had a divine opportunity, but they missed it. I can only imagine how many things went through his mind. The memories of all the rejections and the attacks upon his life. He had left the splendor of heaven, wrapped himself in flesh, and come and seek and save that which is lost. And although he had touched so many lives, so many never received him and missed the divine presence of God. They literally had a divine opportunity to experience a move of God. The religious folks should have been celebrating his presence. Instead, they were planning his crucifixion, shouting, free Barabbas, set the murderer free, kill this Jesus. Why did they miss the move? I'll tell you why. For the same reason this generation is going to miss this move, they couldn't see who he was because their religion blinded them. They had it all figured out, what he would look like, what he would act like, that he would be a lion and not a lamb. Like so many today think they got it all figured out, what it'll look like when his presence is here, how people should act when it gets here. Did you miss where God said, behold, I do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. This move isn't going to be like any other move. It's going to be more than just a revival it's going to be an awakening because the church has went to sleep. A great theologian who had experienced the first great awakening in the 1700s said, they needed a great awakening because the churches were becoming lifeless and going farther away from God's will. And here we are in the 21st century repeating this same failure. Let me give you some reasons why folks are going to miss this move. One, because God is going to move through people you least suspect. If you're going to get in on this move, you're going to have to have a heart sensitive to what God is up to. You're going to have to have a discerning spirit, not a predetermined mindset. When you see unusual things coming from the unusual, you better start wondering, is this God? See, the prophet Samuel almost missed what God was up to. Because he couldn't see that God would use a little ruddy boy named David to be the king of Israel. The prophet had already had in his mind who God would use and what they would look like. David's seven brothers looked like who he thought God would use. Any one of the seven, he thought, all big, tall, strong warriors. But God said no. But then when David, the least likely, showed up and he saw him, God said to Samuel, he's the one. If you're only listening to men with titles and TV programs, 
It's a sign of your spiritual immaturity, and you're going to miss this move. Because God's going to move through folks who don't got titles and PhDs. Common men who don't speak eloquently, don't dress to kill. They're no names. They're underprivileged. The most powerful preacher I ever heard was a peasant woman in China. God used her to raise a man from the dead. Yet outside of her village, don't nobody know her name. But I can tell you she can preach. And Acts 2 begins to happen in the room. The furniture will literally begin to shake. But nobody knows her. The true prophets of this hour are not necessarily going to be media popular. Wearing a three-piece suit and a gold cuff candlings. Looking all GQ or like a teen idol. No, they're going to be men and women of God who have been alone with God in the secret place receiving divine instruction from God. They could be in this church. They could be in your neighborhood. Or they could even be living in the hood. If you're not willing to listen to those who have been anointed and appointed, you will miss this move. The people in Jerusalem looked at Jesus. They said, he can't be the Messiah. He's a carpenter's son. He's a servant. He's not a king. Where's his sword? All great warriors have weapons. And where's his white stallion? This man rides a donkey. Be careful you don't miss the move of God because you can't discern people. God is going to move in these last days through some of the most unlikely people. Pulpits are currently full of highly educated, eloquent speakers who can stir a crowd with their charisma, but they can't harbor a move of God because of no anointing. Because they're man-appointed, and they're not God-anointed. And God is looking on the inward heart of a man while the religious folks are looking on the outward appearance. Are they charismatic? Do they dress well? Do they have a wall of degrees? Have they been to the seminary? I want to tell you, God's going to raise up men and women that when they speak, their words are going to literally break demonic strongholds, causing moves not sanctioned by a certain denomination to take place that are going to expand throughout this nation, sparking a move of God. And we can either be a part of what God is doing or we can fall asleep and simply miss it. Now, I'm not preaching against church structure or denomination. I'm preaching against religious systems that keeps God's presence out of the church. I am so tired of having to persuade people to respond to his presence. I'm so thankful, though, that in this move of God, God is raising up men and women of God who don't have to have persuasive words to be used. That the truth of his word alone will be enough to change hearts. The hour is coming when they're going to be like Paul, walking into a pulpit under the power of God and preach and declare, I don't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of his spirit and of the power of God Almighty. And you better be careful you don't write off a move of God because the people God decides to move through. Because I want to tell you, they're going to be bold and they're going to stand toe-to-toe with the enemy and declare, this saith the Lord, and the Spirit of God's going to fall upon people's hearts. Now, some say he's too young. Some say, well, he's too old. Can I tell you, age is not a prerequisite to house to housing the anointing? Get your eyes off the man 
and open your ears and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church through a willing vessel. It was Peter who almost missed the move of God when he told God, I refuse to eat any unclean thing. God rebuked him and said, how dare you call unclean what I have cleaned? People are going to miss this move of God because God's going to move in different places. And they're not going to receive it as a move. When they told us we can't meet inside the church during the pandemic, God started moving on the beaches, on the streets, in the parks, in our homes, and through the Internet. He's not just going to keep moving in the same old places. You see, when it's a revival, he'll move over there or over here like he did in Pensacola, but you had to go there to be a part of it, to experience it. But in an awakening, he moves across the whole nation and some of the least likely places and towns. You know, I thought God would have started his movement in Jerusalem, in the temple. Nope. He started out in the wilderness. I would have thought he would have chose a priest to start it. Nope. He used a man named John the Baptist. Well, I thought he'd be wearing a priestly robe. Nope. He wore a camel's hair coat and ate locusts and wild honey. And everybody left the city and went to the wilderness that day because they did not want to miss the move. Because they heard this man crying in the wilderness, boldly declaring to the religious crowd, you vipers and you snakes, repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. There's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to latch. And he announces his presence. Behold, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. God's going to move in these last days through some of the most unusual people and some of the most unusual places. Why different places? To break familiarity and formalities and ritualistic services and religious circles. He's going to move in places like Popper Bluff, Missouri. He's going to move in places like California instead of Pensacola again. He's going to move in a place called Barrett, West Virginia. You say, where is that? I say, I don't know. But that's my point. It's a coal mining town. Got a population of 781, but it could happen there. All across this nation, this move is going to be wherever he is invited and received by the hearts of people who want a real genuine of his move of his spirit and are willing to prepare for his visitation. And people are going to miss this move because God's moving in different ways. He's doing new things in new places through new people. People who believe he's only going to move like you saw him move five years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago are going to miss this move. As I told you last week, we're going to start seeing things we've never seen before. There are three blind men mentioned in the Bible. One in the book of John, one in the book of Mark, and one in the book of Matthews. Jesus healed every one of them. But did you notice each time he did it a different way? In John, he took mud in his hands and spit in it and placed it in his eyes. In Mark, he simply touched the blind man's eyes. In Matthews, he spoke to the blind man's eyes. Who cares how he does it just as long as he still does it? Methods change, but the message never changes. 
Yet we crucify people who change methods. We don't like change. We get used to and caught up in certain styles of music and certain styles of preaching. If the music makes you want to dance, it's carnal. If the preacher yells real loud, he's got to be anointed. If they're going to sing those songs, I'm sitting down. If he's going to teach tonight or preach tonight, I'm staying home. Come on, somebody. And what's all those bright lights and flashing lights about? All these colors on the wall? Why you got to be so loud? It looks like a concert hall. Have you ever really read what it's going to look like in heaven? If not, let me help you. It says in the book of Revelations, Revelations 4, you can look it up. It reads like this. From the throne proceeded thunder and lightnings and voices. That means in the throne room, it's going to be loud with flashing lights. There's going to be seven stones of different colors. I mean, there's going to be a lot of colors in the throne room shining on the walls. It says there's going to be voices shouting. Actually, four living creatures, each having six wings, crying out around the altar, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So, we have a few colored lights on the stage, and they flash. And we get a little loud sometimes with the music. Probably sounds like thunder to some. People get to shouting with their voices and at times get to crying around the altar. So what's your problem? Because it looks and sounds a little like heaven here to me. Come on, somebody. Don't miss the move of God because you don't like the new methods. If it distracts you, I promise you that that fog machine that you don't understand, don't stop God's glory from falling in here. If it hinders you, then you've lost your focus. It should be on Jesus, and you're going to miss the move of God all over your religious views. Help me, Lord. There are churches who are going to miss the move of God because of religious dynasties that have been built and people refuse to change. But you know who, who didn't miss the move of God? The humble, the brokenhearted, the hurting, the sick, and the afflicted. Regardless of the religious opposition, Jesus still found a way to get to his presence to them. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Like blind Bartimaeus. Like the disciples. Like Mary Magdalene. Like the woman who was caught in adultery. Like the woman at the well like the demoniac in the graveyard, like the man with the withered hand, like Peter's mother-in-law, like Jairus' daughter, just to name a few. And I'd have to be here all night long to list all of them that Jesus touched. But the religious folks missed him. And it grieved Jesus' heart because so many missed what he came to do in their city. He said it was their hour and that if anybody should have known it, it should have been them because they had read it, they had heard it prophesied, they had prayed for it, yet they missed it because of their religious piety.
And I pray earnestly, all the times it seems like lately, God, don't let us miss this move. I want him to move all over this nation, creating an awakening. But I'm concerned many will miss this hour of visitation as they did in Jerusalem. But God, please don't let us miss it here at the Palace of Praise in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. It's okay if you want to use, to use the least likely to me. Because this is where I live. This is where my family is. This is where my church is. And church, we need to move. I wonder how many times has Jesus wept over this city, over this church? How many times has he sent a visitation, but we missed it, or we criticized it, or we rejected it because of our religious views, because we fell asleep, because of our complacency? Jesus wept when he saw the city, when he thought of how detrimental it was going to be to that city without his presence. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered, you, gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. If we miss this move, it's going to be detrimental to our city and the people of this city, even to our nation that is currently in turmoil. How detrimental will it be? It will be as Jesus said in Luke 19, 43. He said, for the days will come up on you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surrounding you and closing on you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. Church, this is happening in our nation literally right now as I speak. Our enemy is closing in on us. Evil is surrounding us. He's after us, but not just us, but our children too. He goes on to say, they'll not leave in you one stone upon another. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy us. Why will this happen? He says, because you didn't know the time of your visitation. Because you missed the move of God, you missed my plan. You didn't enter into my presence. You didn't hide under the wings of the Almighty where you could be safe. Without a move of God, we're going to raise up a whole generation that does not know God. Because it's his it's the desire of this woke move. Excuse me. Because it's the desire of this woke movement to cancel him out. That's why we need a move of God that causes a movement that awakens the church, that awakens the sleeping giant. Our children need to experience his presence. Church, we need a move. And I came tonight to rebuke every religious spirit that hinders a move of God and to remind us all it was the Lord who brought us out. That our righteousness is as filthy as rags. 
Now, I don't know about you, and I can't speak for you, but for me, I was like Paul. I was the chiefest of sinners before I was saved. But by God's grace and my faith in Jesus Christ, he redeemed me with his precious blood. I've never forgotten where I came from to where I am now. He's brought me a mighty long way, and for that, I'm thankful and will remain faithful to him. I don't know why he chose to use me. I've tried to tell him on several occasions he's made a mistake, but he just keeps saying, I don't make mistakes. <clears throat> I'll never forget when I first got saved. Many of you may know. But for 20 years, I played in a rock and roll band before I got saved. I remember I got, first got saved and I decided to quit the band. I went and told the guys, and they tried to talk me out. Of, oh, you ain't got to quit. A lot of people go to church. And you can still play music and go to church. And no, God told me I got to quit. Man, what about these gigs we got lined up? I thought about it, and I made a decision. I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play one more gig with you. But when I'm done that night, I'm done. Now, that was my plan. I hadn't been, even been in a church yet. I'm sure I wouldn't have got a Pharisee or a Sadducee to agree with my plans. But I went that night, and I told the guys. I said, I won't drink, and I won't sing certain songs, and after this night, I'm done. You know what happened that night? It turned out to be a night of witnessing. People done heard what I'd done. People done heard I was going to quit. And when we'd take a break, I'd go up and sit on the stool. And here they just come marching up to me. I heard what happened. I'm so happy for you. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad for you. You know, and I got to tell them all, yeah, you're right. I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm not doing this more. I'm doing this tonight, and I'm out of here. This is my last night. You wouldn't believe the responses. You know, all that, that's great. I did too when I was 13. One lady said, you know, I'm religious too. And I said, yes, you are. And I said to God at that moment, God, I don't never want to be religious if that's what religious is. I want to be right. And do you know what the result of my decision was in taking that time and doing what was probably unorthodox and many would have said that was probably the wrong thing to do? Within the next five years, three of the four men I played music with got saved. Two are now worship directors in a church. They'd call me. One called me one time about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, Randy, i got to talk to you. Are you still doing this church thing? I said, I'm still serving God. That's what you're talking about. He said, yeah, yeah. How's that going for you? You've been doing it for quite a while. And I said, yeah, I have been for a while. And he said, I said, where are you at? I'm in uh, Arkansas in a bar, sitting on a bar stool. And I was sitting here thinking about my life. He said, I thought I'd call you and let you tell me about this man named Jesus. And I got to witness to that boy. 
Now, I ain't heard from him in years. I don't know where he's at, how he did come out on the deal. But it gave me an opportunity to witness. And I'm just telling you, God's going to do some things in this hour that might not be orthodox, might not follow all the religious protocols and the rules. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to reach souls. It's going to change this nation. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to go forward from some of the most unusual, unlikely people there is. I'm praying for his presence to come. I'm watching for him. I'm willing to change so I don't miss it. Church, now more than ever, we need to move. If the musicians would come, would you stand with me, please? My assignment tonight was just to make sure we're all really aware that God is moving. To make sure we really recognize this place is electrified with his presence. And that we can't miss this move of God. What we've ex been experiencing at this point are in this church, it don't happen everywhere. And we better not take it for granted. Could just be a season of his visitation. But I know it's not to the point of what God really wants to do. This place ought to be tore up. This place ought to be on fire. There ought to be a zeal come back into our hearts because Jesus is in this house. And it's time for this body to be excited about what God is doing and celebrating the fact that his presence is here. Because there's some places, folks, his presence is not. And we are just privileged enough to have his presence in this place. Are there any God chasers in this house? Are there anybody in here that's hungry for the things of God? Is anybody feeling that anxiety I talked to you about I had last week I still got today? There's just something here, and I feel like we're missing it. And the only way we're going to get a hold of it is why his presence is here is to press into his presence. Tonight, if you say, Randy, I, I want to be a part of this move. I don't want to miss it. I'm even willing to change. Then I'm going to ask you in just a minute, step out. I'm going to ask you to come to this altar. And I want you to begin to press into his presence. Well, I, I did last week. Yeah, and when you moved, guess what happened? God moved. I can't predict what's going to happen when you get here, but I can predict this. He inhabits the praises of his people. I can tell you this for sure. His presence is here. And it's a matter if we as a church and a body want to begin to engage in this move so that it'll grow and it'll grow and it'll grow. Because I want to tell you something. I'm going to tell you who's not going to miss it. The hurt, the broken, the lost. 
the afflicted, the sick, because God's not going to allow anything, no religious spirit to stop him from reaching them. First, I want to make this call first. If you're here tonight and you need God to touch you, his presence in this place, and I invite you to come here, regardless of what it is, physical, spiritual, emotional, I don't care. Find yourself a way to this altar, and we're going to pray with you. And then secondly, I want to say, God chasers, come and chase God, because we need a move. Would you come? Go ahead, musicians.